0: You are,
1: you are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing '97 podcast. Yeah, it's just, it's just a perfect way to describe us because uh, our, our pursuit, especially when you like get into it as much as you know, you know, at, at that obsessive level, it's ridiculous to someone who doesn't appreciate it to the same degree. Like you try like, to someone who has never been fishing you try explaining to them why you do what you do, you know, like drive X amount of hours to launch a boat, to go X amount of more hours only to hike X amount of hours to a remote spot with wolves and bears that you've never been to before spending hundreds of dollars to catch this, maybe catch this fish and then let it go again. Like it's a lot of people, they'd be like, why, why would you ever do that? And, uh, So I feel like that's just the best way to describe it, to to describe ourselves to a lot of people.
0: Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got Captain Quinn on the line out of British Columbia, Canada. We're going to chat with Quinn in just a moment. want to thank the top 10 cities this week for listening on the podcast. want to say thanks to the folks in Aliquipa, PA, Medford, Oregon, Vancouver, British Columbia. The folks in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Nashville, Tennessee, Moscow, Russia, Houston, Texas, Portland, Oregon, san diego california and coeur d'alene idaho top 10 cities this week welcome to the fly fishing 97 podcast featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry we focus on guides conservation resort managers gear and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers the fly fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by the fly crate
1: hey everyone this is nate from theflycrate.com I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the podcast and want to let you know about our new membership option called the mix and match subscription for $19.95 a month, you will receive $30 of the fly crate store credit, but there's a great way to pick exactly what you want and save money on the fly crate without having to worry about the commitment.
0: We are going to head to the Pacific coast of British Columbia. We've got captain Quinn on the line, avid fly fisherman, fisherman uh, fly tire videographer, comedian, blogger, TV series host, father, first and probably foremost, outdoorsman, steelheader. Quinn, thanks so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Hey, no problem. I appreciate the opportunity. It's nice talking with you, Mark.
0: You too. And and uh, we should preface this by saying, where are you right now?
1: At I'm with my three boys uh, at the beach. There's a little creek that comes in and uh, we're doing a little fly fishing. We're trying to catch some crayfish.
0: Ah. I know yeah, that's I yeah. noticed on your uh on your blog and on Instagram and whatnot, it seems like you've been catching a few crayfish lately.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the, the most recent obsession. So I don't recall ever coming across them up in uh, Terrace where we were for the last seven years, but um lots of you know, other wonderful sea creatures and river creatures to chase. But uh so it's kind of you know when you discover something new or like a new way of doing something a new fishing spot or a new species or a new technique. There's a, a real kind of heightened sense of excitement that usually goes along with that new experience yeah. as fishermen will appreciate. And, um, so it's kind of one of those falls in that category at the moment.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. So if you don't mind me asking, where's your home base now, are you not in Terrace anymore?
1: Uh, no, we moved to Vancouver Island. Ah, yeah. Nice. So we're down here kind of closer to where I grew up. Um, uh, I grew up on the lower mainland so on the sunshine coast so it's, right uh, well why do yeah, closer to family and stuff
0: Quinn why don't we why don't we dig into your to your story so this is obviously first and foremost a fly fishing show but I know you have a vast uh, diverse experience with fishing in general just outdoor living and and I, I think you're one of the best storytellers that I've that I know I've been trying to get on this show for a while so I want to thank you first and foremost for coming on. Why don't you walk us? kind of down a little history yourself how did you come to discover fly fishing in general
1: oh, okay well i appreciate those words that's very kind uh, um fly fishing you know the journey of fly fishing i think it's actually pretty similar for most people um who really kind of i guess take it on as a passion it's kind of i think it stems from the interest you know and the curiosity for kind of these uh if, if you start looking at kind of the natural world and, and, you know, the animals and the ecosystems from like a child's perspective, it's, it's pretty magical and wonderful and it's always exciting. And then, um, it kind of, that interest kind of I think, stems from just the, the natural wonder that is, that are these ecosystems in these like healthy environments that we're lucky to kind of have access to in British Columbia. Um, and then it, it kind of just goes from there. And fishing provides like a challenge. It's a way to kind of plug yourself into that natural ecosystem, whether it's catch and release or for food. you The challenge is to go out there and kind of, you know, figure out what insects are hatching at what time and, um, you know, what part of the lake or the river or the ocean to fish. And, and then you eventually there's a reward. So there's a, a challenge. It requires hard work and then after that uh if your hard work pays off there's a sense of like you know satisfaction and appreciation and then it just i think kind of just propels Mm -hmm. propels people from there yeah sure um my personal interest is kind of yeah somewhere within there my opa got me into it we used to just row a rowboat um off the rocks in the ocean and uh catch some rock cod and ling cod and i just thought it was the coolest thing in the world and then trout and then you start seeing fly fishing and these people doing these crazy casts and who doesn't want to be part of that or have that experience so i i wouldn't say there's like one kind of moment in my life where it was like this big pivotal kind of i I need to do this it was just kind of i think a progression
0: if you had to pick a couple of people um you might have just alluded to one already but who who's influenced your fly fishing like where who did you learn from and, and kind of who got the fire stoked with you
1: um yeah you know family my whole family appreciates um fishing and even my my brother more reluctantly it's just uh it was something we used to do we'd go we'd spend so much time as kids camping with the family and the destination was always some kind of new lake so uh yeah i mean it was whoever would go with me at the time me and myself and my stepdad did a ton of fly fishing growing up um my brother uh yeah fly fishing i did a lot of it on my my own as well like and then moving up to uh terrace you know kind of as the holy grail of uh steelhead opportunities on the fly so yeah um Yeah, I wouldn't say that there's one kind of, probably my my stepdad and my brother for fly fishing. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Okay, so I want to take a minute to get to know you outside of the water, outside of fly fishing, uh, fishing in general. You ready for a few rapid fire questions that may have nothing to do with anything? You betcha. All right, man. What are you listening to? So if you are driving in your truck and you got a little drive ahead of you on the way to the water, river, wherever you're going, what kind of tunes are you playing?
1: Oh. Leonard Skinner, some free bird. That's a, that mm. one gets me going. Love that. <laughs> um, you can't go wrong there. Yeah. Any kind of like the classic rock and roll stuff is, it's, it's in my playlist.
0: One go-to fly pattern you cannot live without. Now I think we should probably say steelhead here cause that's kind of, uh, I know that's a big passion of yours. What would be one pattern you reach for more often than not?
1: It's, um, well, it's, it's like a variation of kind of the woolly bugger. It's sort of like a, it's like a woolly bugger crossed with a popsicle. It's like this marabou um, bugger, I call it. and It's just, it's pink with a sil- little bit of a silver body. Hmm. And it's got, it's got a, a marabou wrap around the head and then marabou tail. Um, this is some kind of a streamer. Uh, I don't, I've i actually never seen it uh, named, but it's, it's, I'm sure there ha- has been different variations of it. I just tie it kind of the way that I like it, but it's I uh, I don't know if you'd call it a popsicle or a woolly bugger or, uh, sure. it's like kind of a cross between the two. Is that
0: marabou pink also, Quinn, or is it a different yeah. color?
1: Okay. Yeah, no, pink. Nice. Pink is pink or purple.
0: Favorite place to talk fly fishing. So is there, when you're not in your waders or on the water, is there a coffee shop, a fly shop? A watering hole is there somewhere you go to get your fix when you're not on the water
1: your podcast <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> see now the comedian side's coming out <laughs>
1: <laughs> um no it's anywhere and anywhere where someone's willing to talk fishing um i, I don't have like a you know a, a coffee shop or a bar that i go to to talk fishing i'd like that that'd be fun
0: cool Favorite sports team? So let's. I mean, I know you're a BC guy. uh Are we talking Canucks? Are we talking Lions? Are we talking Jays? Uh, who's your go to in sports? Or are you even a sports guy?
1: Yeah, I appreciate sports for sure. It's, I mean, it's hard to, you know, you're always rooting being in, growing up watching the Canucks. It's kind of hard to pick another team beyond them. The Can- you just want them to win a cup so bad. Yeah. But, uh, I'd say the Canucks is probably the team I get most excited to watch.
0: They're looking all right right now in this condensed playoff version. Can you say it was? Yeah,
1: as long as, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the season with this whole COVID thing, yeah. but, uh,
0: yeah. If you had to take a single lesson and kind of distill it down from your time on the water, your fly fishing journey, what's the biggest lesson that comes to mind?
1: Oh, I, it, for sure it would be... Um, like we need to look after these places. Like our, it the opportunity and to just live a happy, healthy life is is tied directly to like a, I feel a, a, a healthy environment. And I mean, you go to somewhere where there's an intact, healthy ecosystem, and opportunities to explore and like tap into the the bounty that exists there are are endless and then you go to a place where it's been destroyed or you know we haven't done a good job of mm-hmm. of um kind of protecting it it's 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 uh, very sad and depressing so i think the biggest message is if you know you enjoy playing in these places you gotta put some thought and consideration into what keeps them special and that is you know every place it's, it's not a complex I mean it is complex but it's not overly complex like mm-hmm. there's a natural ecosystem they have they have parts that move and function and uh you just kind of got to learn about them understand them and and then kind of you can i guess manage your the humans the way humans interact with the the landscape uh better right and more responsibly consciousness i think mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm fill in the blank for me when I'm not fly fishing I'm usually doing what
1: uh looking after my children <laughs> <laughs> are you guys ca- yeah.
0: are you guys catching anything today
1: uh, we're kind of exploring a new area um, we uh, we haven't we haven't caught anything yet no
0: okay um, best job you've ever had if you had to are you doing it now, or is it something you've done in the past? But if you had to look back at your career so far, uh, name your best job.
1: Well, I would say it was um, producing that, uh, that fishing show. Um, that was really fun, having kind of like the creative control and just being given an opportunity um, through your, your telethopic TV and uh, working with a, a good group of guys. And, I mean, that's kind of tying your passion to your work um before that i actually i commercially fished for prawns for two summers mm-hmm. uh when i was in university and just living on a boat just it was very fun it was long days like you're working 14 to ten of 20 hour days but i just loved the lifestyle and then uh i got to be a deckhand on a sailboat a 70 foot sailboat mm-hmm. um doing like photography trips uh that was pretty sweet. Those, you know, those jobs where you're like, you kind of look around and you're, you can't <laughs> believe you're getting paid to do it. Yeah,
0: I do. Okay. I've had you a lot of. I was yeah. lucky.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah,
0: absolutely, hundred percent. I totally. So I think first and
1: foremost, uh, filming fishing uh, as a form of entertainment.
0: That's a perfect segue into because I I got to admit when your show came along, uh, it was unique and I think. Honestly, you inspired me quite a bit on this podcast because you always got into people's stories. Um, it always came back to the water, but you had, a, a, you had a, an amazing sense of humor and just a real unique way to tell stories. I remember one you had on a gentleman that was doing some carving in the middle of nowhere and you just sat with him and uh, it was really cool. Like, so tell me what motivated you to do that show and kind of where did your, you draw from on that?
1: uh the motivation for that show stems from like the whole creation of the the captain quinn persona and it was um kind of growing up the realization that things weren't as good as they used to be Uh, when you start talking fishing with any of like our grandparents it's always like oh you should have seen how it used to be or they talk about the good old days and then we're stuck i always felt like i was being handed like the empty wrapper of, a, wrapper of a chocolate bar in terms of like mm. as an analogy for, for what kind of the state of the fishery was, at least the salmon fishery on the Sunshine Coast. And then that kind of, I don't know, that frustrated me and um, led me to kind of realize that, you know, we got to actually look after these things if we want to keep them around forever. And it seemed like an incredible injustice for one generation to leave behind like a an empty shell of what used to be like extremely exciting and uh, bountiful uh, resource, and then that kind of was like, all oh, right, hey, well, how do we get like how do I um, share this passion that I have for these places and and these fish into some kind of a um, I guess movement, but not really like more subtle than that, just uh, I guess a an education on how to just enjoy them and and my whole thing was promoting the outdoors to save the outdoors. So if the best way to get people to care is to get them interested in it. So if you go out and you have this incredible day fishing and it turns into a you know a hobby and then from there a passion and then something whether it something threatens that you're going to know exactly like that, that, that is going to cut you deeper than somebody who, um, has no interest in it at all, or who has never even had those experiences. So Mm -hmm. by getting outside and, um, really, you know, creating memories with people that you care about in the great outdoors through fishing, um, it turns into a passion. And then that passion turns into, you know, a, a protection for those things. So promoting the outdoors to save the outdoors is kind of a message, I guess.
0: How important is it for you to get your kids so vested in your passion? Because, I I mean, you're walking the walk. You're sitting somewhere with a fly rod right now on the water as we're doing this interview, which honestly hasn't happened too often. um, Tell me about that a little bit, getting, like, the younger generation, the next generation into the water.
1: I, I think you have to uh, like walk a fine line with it. Like just because you as a parent love something doesn't mean that your kid is going to give a crap about it, uh, (laughs) necessarily. So, so far I've been really lucky. All, uh, my two older boys, my youngest is only two years old, but he's, I'm, I can tell he's very interested in it already. Like he just loves high energy, getting outside and running and getting dirty. And, um, I think it comes natural though. Like, uh, but anyway, if they wanted to just um sit inside and play video games instead of going down to the <laughs> to the water, uh that I'd struggle with that. I haven't encountered that yet. I've just been lucky, but I think it's super important cuz uh those are the things that like that's what I live for right now. I'm uh is spending quality time outside with these little guys as they grow and showing them and seeing their their level of interest and they're so lucky they don't even realize it like i wasn't until my mid-20s before i caught my first steelhead Mm -hmm. and these guys have both landed you know a fair number and they're not even eight um (laughs) so uh, i hope they appreciate that uh, when they're older that's good stuff
0: Uh, We'll get into what you're doing now what you're up to kind of uh, I I just I I have to ask you this question because I just about fell off my chair the first time I saw your uh, fishing with poncho uh, video with the chicken so I mean I'm curious take take us behind the scenes when you shot that that must been a few takes involved with that or do you serious did you seriously spend a lot of time with that chicken on the water.
1: No, we got that chicken uh, was like a household pet. Like the kids would give it wheelbarrow rides and they'd give it baths in the yard and it would sit on their shoulders and they'd walk around. It just it just loved human company. And then I thought, uh, you know, people always take their dogs fishing, but it was it was it was kinda like one of those ideas where you're like you say it out loud and you're like, That's actually kind that's actually really funny. And then it kind of leads you leads you down a road with many different, like, branches for humor. Um, and, you know, you know those conversations where you're having with a buddy and you start talking about something funny. and Oh, and then what if we did this? Or what about that? And then it's just laughter. Like, you can see it as it, before it's even happened. and um, So, yeah, that was kind of funny. And uh, But it also was kind of like, it's perfect in that the one thing that I guess I think I find that kind of frustrates me about, you know, any community of people who who get attached to something like fishing is there's this tendency to take it take themselves really seriously mm-hmm. and for me that's not that's not fishing at all like um you know you don't need to like where looking the part is almost more important than actually being out you know learning about the the fishery and so to kind of do it like a, a comical kind of, I never take myself seriously. I guess when I'm out on the water, I right. I'm always open to learning. I know that there's always pe- going to be a lot of people out there who know a lot more than you do, and there's tons of opportunities to learn. So to put yourself in that like elitist category, I feel like you're just stifling your future development. And I just I kind of like kind of poking a little bit of subtle fun at that.
0: <laughs> you do a good job at it. I I laugh though because you. The thing I couldn't believe, Quinn, is you actually got into like a, it looked like a 20 pound steely while you had the <laughs> chicken on your shoulder yeah. in some, in mm-hmm. some wood there. I was blown away. Like that does there's not many people that can say they've done that.
1: No, no, I, yeah, I don't. There, I may be the only person who can say that they did that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was honestly like we got lucky. Like that was the first time I went fishing <laughs> with the... <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna try taking this chicken fishing, and I did. And she sat with me the whole time. And then, right near the end of the day, uh, hooked into that thing. And uh, I think, it, honestly, it was probably closer to 10 or 12 pounds. But um, oh, really? It looked big. To I'll, me. I'll, I'll go with 20. We'll go 20, maybe <laughs> 25 next time we talk. Um, but yeah, no. So I just got kind of, and it's great because it offers like a perfect climax moment, you know? Yeah. That's the thing when you're out fishing, like you go out and you film a fishing show. It's very hard to kind of be content with your shoot if at the end, or at least at some point, you don't have a fish to showcase. Because, I mean, you can do it. You can throw other elements in, but uh, yeah, I've gone out so many days where it's like you set up all the shots and you get such incredible B-roll. And then you don't catch a fish and then it just ends up sitting on your hard drive, and you do nothing with it. Um,
0: Right. But But explain to to our listeners when, because I know you take a lot of, you must take a lot of video to get the shots that you've gotten over the years. Oh yeah. And explain that feeling when you know you got the shot. You know what I mean? The minute you hook that steelhead and that chicken's on your back, you just know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, usually it's followed by like a panic. For not, you don't want to lose it. Um, and then it's kind of like you know, the second you kind of get the shots that you need and you land the fish, it's it's like a, yeah, it's a satisfying moment for sure. But um, I have to remind myself to like leave the camera at home um, sometimes because then you, you kind of fall into this trap of like mm-hmm. living for the photo yeah. or living for the shot. It's like, and, and then you really, I don't think you fully enjoy it as wholesomely as you would if you're just out there with yeah. no distractions, like the, the lighter you can be out there, uh, mentally and, uh, uh, physically, I think the, the greater you're able to kind of appreciate what happened.
0: It's funny you mentioned that. I, I think from my point of view, that's kind of the biggest problem with a lot of the social media. Everyone's looking for the Holy grail. Everyone's looking for that content. Um, and sometimes, like you say, you got to remove yourself from that. So, you know what, I'm just going to put the camera away for half an hour and enjoy the sunset.
1: Totally. Totally. And that's usually when like, you know, something insane happens and you go, Oh fuck, I wish I had my camera out <laughs> right now. But, um, <laughs> exactly. but no, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and that's, I've been doing that a lot lately, especially with the kids. Cause uh, I don't know. It's just, it is nice. Like, and then you can take a break from from the pressure of getting that shot you know i've seen so many people catch this like beautiful steelhead and you know they're fighting it and then they're like get the camera get the camera get the camera and it's like no just like enjoy the sound of wine peeling off the reel and watch the fish jump with your own eyes not you know behind a a lens and just you know it's 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 a completely different experience
0: I can't, but, I can't tell you how many times i've set up on uh, i do a lot of crony fishing in in, in the interior of bc so we're doing a lot of still waters but when, i'm watching that indicator with my camera just wanting it to go down it never yeah. goes down the second yeah. the yeah. second yeah. you turn it off guess what Boom! Boom. Yeah.
1: yeah and a unicorn flies by at the same time <laughs> exactly
0: Listen, I I let's talk about what you're doing now. So I know you've kind of done a bit of uh, switching gears. I I've been checking out all things Captain Quinn, your website. Um, tell us what you're up to there.
1: Uh, well, right now I've been taking like a, a bit of time off. But I just kind of look after the kids some more, cause mm-hmm. I, uh, when my wife works. But um, I did finish a, a documentary kind of on um, the Skeena. Uh, region salmon and steelhead uh, kind of more of the social situation behind it um, and uh, so that was good that was that took me about a year to do and um, that can that's coming out I'm gonna put it on my YouTube channel on August 30th so this month I'm excited for that and mm-hmm. then just kind of brainstorming I want to get back into it I kind of burnt out a little bit but um, we're I'm excited to start creating some more content and I I took a we took a lot on this year. Like we had a a kid last year, and I was working on my master's degree, which I just finished like three weeks ago.
0: What's that in Quinn? Masters in what?
1: uh, It was a governance and entrepreneurship in northern uh, and rural areas. So it was looking at kind of different models for um, economic development in the kind of Canada has a history of just Creating these resource dependent towns, and then when the resource dries up, you know, there's all kinds of social problems for the people living in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just kind of looking at kind of new innovative approaches to uh, economic development and um, governance in kind of hmm. rural and northern uh, Canada. Right. And I got to go to northern Norway uh, as part of the, one of the field studies for the program, which was really cool, and northern Saskatchewan, um, and kind of see how they're doing things up there. Uh, and it's it was very interesting and, um, hmm. yeah, pretty inspirational as well.
0: Did you chase any Atlantic salmon in Norway?
1: I No, it wasn't the season, but it made me really want to go back. Uh, they got a kind of a, from what I understand, a, a small window uh, to, I mean, most fisheries, migration, migrating fish, do kind of fall into the same category um but i think it was like i want to say i can't even remember the two months that you go do it mm-hmm. i think it's spring and summer but okay. i could be wrong i know they have a coastal uh sea trout they call them which looks like fun yeah one of my buddies out there who we stay in touch um sent me a couple flies that he uses to catch these sea run brown trout. i think they are like, mm-hmm. sea but no i didn't get to i dreamed of it Utah- have you been out there? no
0: i haven't i had somebody on from sweden uh who fishes you know that that region for and like you said sea i think they're sea run browns they have a lot of but um some of those salmon get mighty big and, and the way he mm-hmm. verbalized it quinn is if you catch one in a season you're doing well so yeah you, okay. you know it's not exactly uh you know like like say the skina used to be back in the day you you touched on something Quinn I, I'd like to explore a little bit if you don't mind it and you'd mentioned burnout and I I know what you mean but I, I I'm curious how you keep it fresh do you have to just walk away from it for a while to kind of look at it through new eyes or like explain explain to me how you keep it fresh with what's going on in your world
1: yeah I think a break a break is always invigorating, and then it uh, kind of some time to reflect, and it makes you kind of appreciate the process more. But it's like everything, you know, in 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 life, it's if you have, like, we're just also, I think, um, a lot of our time and energy is consumed uh, just by having a phone on you, where you can like, you basically have these computers in your pocket, and you feel this pressure to respond to every single text message or facebook or instagram or email or phone call and then you have you know your jobs and your bills and your family and i just think that you're we're as a you know society we're we're just taxed like in terms of our energy it's our we're um we're running in a deficit most days so it's really easy to get burnt out uh and Mm -hmm. i think when i do that like i just I kind of just have to like turn everything off and just not think about anything for a while. yeah. And then the important stuff starts trickling back into your brain and then you start getting excited again. But, uh, you know, have you ever hit that point where you're just... Oh, man. It's I, just, you don't even want to think about it anymore.
0: I have a total addictive personality. So for me... Um, fly fishing, I've been doing it since I was probably 10 and I'm 52 now. So it's, yeah, I mean, every, every five, 10 years, I need to hit a reset button and it's really, but you know, what's really helped is all the social media that's out there for me. I see what's going on on Instagram. It's like, man, I, where's that? I got to go there. Yeah. Like, you no, know, it's
1: good for that. Like, the, oh, totally, totally. And the education that you can get from it now, like think about how hard it would be to acquire the knowledge that... Oh. That you can just—it's at your fingertips at any given time. Like you'd have yeah. to go find a book exactly. buried in a library somewhere, you know. Like it was yeah. on a on a, you'd have to ride a horse for three weeks just to get this <laughs> book that was hidden in some archives. And, yeah, no, it's crazy. I like that part about it for cool. sure. Like even with these crayfish, like I've been, you know, the first thing you do, the kids catch crayfish at the lake, and you kind of you go home and you YouTube some videos, and then you learn about how big it is in cuisine and like the South and, and the Eastern States. And they have these big crawdad boils and these Cajun like mm-hmm. cookouts and, and then you look at their habitat, they like rocks. And yeah, so it, it can definitely be an incredible learning tool to kind of propel your interest in these things more. Like I really want to go fish some, you know, like who doesn't see like a little bonefish or tarpon post or, you know, GT like little video or some photos and, like, anyone who loves fishing, who doesn't want to go do that, you know?
0: Do you know what's funny is is uh, I've been fishing a lot of years like yourself, and it's like I have never, ever gone for cr- uh, crayfish, crawfish, but the funny thing is, is uh, a buddy of mine uh, purchased a trap, like, maybe a month ago, and yeah. I'm fascinated by it, and it's like, why it just... have I never done that before, you know? Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, the lakes that we grew up in, like, yeah, we, as kids, you know, someone would catch one with a hot dog on a string but you never really gave much thought to it it was like and then and then your your attention folks okay there's a turtle there's a snake and then you're just you're gone like squirrel, are, but, <laughs> <laughs> squirrel exactly yeah, um that's funny so, so
0: what yeah. do you use for bait what, what what have you found that crayfish like to chase the most in your trap
1: well so we obviously crab and prawn a lot mm-hmm. and so we always have like you know fish heads or entrails from cod or salmon. So I've just been using that and I've, uh, that seems to be working for skin and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The prawn pellets, I have a you know big bucket of that. So I just threw a few of those in there. Uh, but I hear bacon fat is good. So I've been saving up the bacon fat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what's interesting? And I don't know that I should share this publicly. I can but edit. But I can but, edit. <laughs> so, My uh, dad, who lives out in Kelowna, he's kind of like, have you ever seen that movie Big Fish? No. It's this guy who tells these tall tales. It's a really good uh, movie. And um, everyone thinks they're like, they're just so far-fetched. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of just telling, pulling our leg again. And then they all turn out to be true in the end, but like like wildly out there stories. And so he's we've always said he's almost like he's exactly like that. And uh, like he started telling us one fishing trip about these zonies of a zony farm that he went to. And we're like, what the hell's is a zonie?" It's a cross between a pony and a zebra. <laughs> okay. And we're like, there's no way. And then uh, making so much fun of him. <laughs> and then we get back, we go to Cornell Lake um, and which is a really cool place to go uh, fish as well. Um, and get back and sure enough, a like Google search, and I, I don't know if it's a... I've never actually seen one physically, but there's a whole bunch of photos of these zonies. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe there is some credibility to this person. But anyways, <laughs> that's kind of him in a nutshell. Uh, and he's kind of one of those jack-of-all-trades guys, too. Like, anytime my boat engine breaks down or my truck, I just phone him and he basically, like, walks me through it. Right. Um, but so he told me, this was about two months ago, that the best bait they ever used for crab was they went out and they collected a whole bunch of bird feathers bird feathers bird feathers i called bullshit on it immediately and um but then i was also kind of curious and uh i left my prawn traps on the beach uh for a month and and then i went uh, because during the whole covid thing we were living on an island for a while and i had you know my prawn traps there and Go home back to reality and then kind of like, well, let's get out of here again because COVID was getting weird. And then go back and four little birds, like sparrows or something, sadly had flown into the pond traps and they couldn't get out. And they died in there. And it was basically a pile of feathers and and bones. Hmm. And then uh, instead of taking them out, I left them in the traps. And this was after the commercial fishery had already gone through and usually like a month after the commercial fishery they clean it out. Like you you might go out, you might get, you know, a couple hundred prawns in your traps. Mm-hmm. The commercial fishery goes through. You're lucky oh if you're getting 10. Hmm. Anyway, I put the traps down with these birds in it and there was like sun dried bird and bone and feathers. And it was, we had over 200 prawns in, in two traps. Wow. Like it was the, it was the craziest That's... haul of the season. Um, and it should have been the worst. So I don't know if we just got really lucky and like landed in like a sweet little honey hole or if there was some truth to it. I'm going to try it again.
0: That, but. You know what that reminds me of is I, I remember watching a show and they're fishing for these huge sharks in the middle of nowhere, like in the middle of the ocean and they're finding birds in them. And they're like, how okay. are these things eating birds? And you know what they were doing? They were working the oil rigs and the birds would get tired, rest on the on the uh on the oil rigs and i, I don't know if they're dying or if they're just getting tired and but these sharks were chowing down on these birds which they couldn't <laughs> uh, let's talk crazy fish stories i have a feeling oh, you're, yeah. i think you're sitting on a couple here you, is there anything weird or wonderful that's happened to you in your time on the water other than you know fishing uh with sparrows um <laughs> that that you might want to uh dial us in on
1: yeah, like, some moments that stand out, obviously, are, um, you know, we, a couple summers ago, we saw, like, a pod of six killer whales, uh, destroy the sea lion and eat it, like, right in front of us, wow. which was pretty wild. I've had killer whales, like, come up and put their nose on the bottom of our boat, and we're just, like, looking at its eyeball. It was, like, a huge bull. That was pretty crazy, hmm. um, and then, uh, we once were fishing on the lower Kitimat, and it can be really good at times. This was several years ago, and six of the seven chinook we caught all got grabbed by seals. So you'd mm. you'd hook this chinook, and then within you know 30 seconds there'd be a seal on it. But the seals were just grabbing them by the like back of the head, like the gill plate, and so none of the meat was damaged, and we got all six of the six of the six we got all back from the seals but it turned into this like fight with the seal you'd have to like run over it basically with your boat and sit on top of it and rev the engine that it would let the salmon go um and then you got to reel it as fast as it could before it could grab it again that was kind of exciting you know when you're pulling up a small lingcod and then a giant like sea monster of a lingcod comes out and and bites it in half right beside the boat (laughs) that's exciting um, so yeah, those kind of anything where, or like you're catching reeling in a little cutthroat and then a bull trout grabs it. Sure. That's pretty, all that stuff is just, you know, the the stuff that you're not expecting when you're out there is always that's memorable.
0: That's why I always love those osprey and loon stories. Cause every, <laughs> yeah, everyone's totally. got them. Everyone's yeah. got them.
1: Yeah. We had a loon swim right under our boat and grab like the cutthroat that we were reeling in. And, uh, my brother whacked, like smashed the paddle against the water, like right beside it. And then it spat it out and we were able to get it. Hmm. Saw, you know, people, eagles come down. We were just out the other day and there was a flasher, like a hundred feet up a tree. So that, <laughs> an eagle obviously picked off oh, someone's shoot. salmon while they were <laughs> fighting. <it>. But <laughs> I never yeah, those even, are always exciting.
0: I never even thought, what the heck would that be doing up in the, yeah, good point.
1: <laughs> How about you?
0: Uh Oh, shoot uh my, my favorite and i've told it on the show before i i don't i'm not a good storyteller I, I that's why i do this i get other people's stories but what happened one time quinn is we were up uh in the camelops area and buddy we're, we walked into this lake it was this mosquito infested i mean they were coming at us in swarms it was it was horrible but the fishing was great and uh buddy had a nice i don't know pound and a half trout on And all of a sudden, it just, you know, it just took off. And he's like, oh, this is a pig. This is a pig. And then you see this loon surface, you know, 100 yards out with his fish. He's getting into a tug of war with the loon. He's trying to snap his line. And I swear to God, this osprey bombs the loon like it's trying to get the fish.
1: No way. So
0: the two were going at it while the fish was hooked. And it was like we were laughing so hard. I just, I'll never forget it. I mean, I felt kind of bad for the fish, of course, but it was like, the loon won in the end, of course, but uh, it was... <laughs> the
1: loon fended the, off the osprey. The
0: loon fended off the osprey, and oh, then... Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, uh, they get pretty aggressive around here. I actually...
1: The loons do.
0: Oh, yeah, we were... Well, just as far as with your fish, they know, if you pretend to have a fish on even, they go down. They they they, they If they hear a real screaming, they go down. They know, because as soon as you let let go a tired fish well guess what that's an easy meal
1: they're like the interior seals
0: exactly no that's exactly easy
1: yeah yeah. i love that story oh Osprey man spray yeah, that fish didn't it, stand a chance it, you know human what? predator and bird predator
0: it happened friday too i was out in another lake near Merritt. same thing uh you know that once once they get a fish they leave you alone but they come back you know in a few hours and yeah they
1: they want more? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like hanging oh, around, awesome.
0: hanging around the McDonald's drive-through, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. So, oh, tell yes. us
0: where we can find all your YouTube vids because you've got a lot of them out there. And I also want you to tell me your favorite video that you personally have done. But where can we find them? And tell me which one you enjoyed the most.
1: Uh, so yeah, the my YouTube channel. So I think it's uh, the Captain Quinn. Um, which yeah uh, my Instagram and website I'll link back to it, but they're all living there. And then um whoever else, whatever else our website, you know, features the URL or whatever. But um yeah, there's all on my YouTube channel, um, the Captain Quinn. And I think I'm around fifty thousand subscribers now, so that's pretty cool. But wow. uh obviously, you know, would like it to be more of the dream would be to just produce content online and be able to pay the bills. So, Mm -hmm. uh, But you kind of have to shelf. I have had to shelf that for things that actually pay the bills. And so I think that's another reason why I haven't been putting out a ton of content recently as I'm kind of focusing on the other stuff. But I want to get back into it and um, yeah, hopefully uh, be able to put up a bunch more content this year. That documentary I'll be putting out there uh, at the end of the month. And, um,
0: was that, yeah, was that what you did for, um, Story Hive or is that something yeah. else?
1: Nope. That's, uh, I've done a few for them. Cast Northwest was through them as well. That was the first one I did with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, the most recent one. So, uh, and then they're, they're talking just because of COVID, they probably won't be putting it on their video on demand platform till next year. It was supposed to be this year, but I think they're going to bury a bunch of them, but they're not quite sure yet.
0: Personal thing. It's been favorite. weird. It's, personal favorite vid that you've done man what throw one well, at us out of all really
1: yeah i really enjoyed the process of uh turning the idea of poncho like bringing that to life that was great love that uh the stuff fishermen say or shit fishermen say that was just so fun to do because it's another one of those things you just think about oh, you're going out as a kid like how many times have you seen someone do that arm gesture where they're like you, you catch anything or what are you using or, you know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff mm-hmm. that you hear is just fun to kind of think about how ridiculous the fishing language is. And, um, <laughs> so that was really fun. I'd say those two were, uh, kind of my favorite little short ones. And then the cast Northwest series was really fun to do as well. But mm-hmm. like in terms of short little funny videos, I really enjoy those. So those, those two, I'd say poncho and stuff. Fisherman. Say,
0: I was quite enjoying your, uh, Obviously I could tell you're spending a lot of time at home with the little ones when you when you're you're trying to bait the oh, dog yeah. bait the Fish dog and, <laughs> and
1: oh, <it's> <laughs> that funny. was fun too actually. But that one never got the traction that the other ones got. So oh, I bet and never really got a ton of traction either. Really? No, I think it's around twenty thousand or something. They didn't definitely didn't did go you, where I was hoping it would.
0: Would you or did you ever submit that to like um fly fishing uh vid
1: oh. I, should have, I never submitted it to any film festivals, but I, I should. I oh, look into that.
0: 100%. Who, who came up with the idea of the uh, eating KFC in front of the chicken is what I want to know. Because that was just nasty.
1: <laughs> um, that was one of those conversations. I can't remember. It was either myself or the, my buddy who filmed uh, at Storm Carroll. He used to be my camera guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. It was myself or him?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I had to do a double take there. As soon as I saw the red and white striped bucket, yeah, And the look on that poor weird, chicken's demented, face. Hey? Oh, <laughs> but that's what I love. You coming at it from a fresh angle, and you're, you're, I want you to put your artist hat on, Quinn, for a second. Think, describe your perfect day on the water. So if you could have your day your way. Walk us through that. What, what kind of fish are you chasing? I assume it's probably steelhead, but may, maybe it's crayfish. What? Mm-hmm. What? What's your perfect day look like right now?
1: I, I do really love uh, pursuing steelhead, just, uh, and I think it's because of the factors that uh, go along with it. And, um, but, but I love new things. Like I said earlier, like if I got, I got to go to Florida for this like um, sizzle reel that was funded by Animal Planet last summer or or last spring or the spring before and that was all new to me you know like fly fishing for tarpon on the flats Mm -hmm. was really cool so like the the new part whether it's like a like i said earlier a new river or new species or a new technique it's that usually makes things very exciting uh, especially when there's a reward that goes along with it but steelhead's one of those things where there's so many different creeks that you can explore that you haven't before Mm -hmm. and so maybe a creek that I haven't caught them in before or, uh, or a river that I haven't fished before. Um, steelhead and then the challenge is makes it very exciting. Like, I don't know if you've had days where you've gone out and you've, you've totally figured it out for that moment. And it's just every cast you're catching fish oh, Yeah. after 10 or so fish, maybe it's less, maybe it's more depending on, you know, the person, but it loses its luster a little bit. It's not, mm-hmm. um, as exciting as you know working it pretty hard for a few hours and maybe get rewarded you know a couple times it's mm-hmm. it there's something that is different about it um, so a challenge I would say um, yeah, yeah a new piece of water steelhead but then you always want the opportunity to catch a fish because like if you go out all day multiple days you're getting skunked it also loses its lustre. <laughs> so a good possibility at a, at a steelhead. Uh, I love fishing for them in the spring because spring is such a great time, or the fall because it's such a beautiful time of year. But if I had to paint my perfect steelhead, a perfect fishing day right now, one of them would be dry fly fishing for steelhead in the fall when all the leaves are changing color, and um, and a new piece of water. It doesn't have to be a new river, just a new run maybe, and um, just you know one or two good friends to share it with.
0: Hmm. What about end of the day? A little campfire, a little uh...
1: Oh yeah, some reflection for sure. I camping out there on the river bar, on the river bar, uh, you know, cooking some stuff over the fire and just, you know, hmm. what's reminiscing. The, what's the beverage?
0: Beer. What's the beverage of choice these days?
1: I'm really into the Hoine Pilsners right now. Ah. it's a really good beer. Um but yeah, I'd say six pack of Hoine Pilsner. Good stuff.
0: A little philosophical question for you, and this is—it. I realize this is a big question, but it's one that I really—I like where this one usually goes. If you could change something about the sport or the pastime of fly fishing, is there anything you'd like to see us do differently, uh, or anything that really kind of gets under your skin that we are doing?
1: Yeah, and uh, that's kind of the whole like message of this new documentary. Is it's—I just find it how ridiculous. I just find it ridiculous that when there's a problem, like a a low abundance, uh, everyone turns on each other. Like, And I mean, by everyone, I mean, you know, you could always break fishing, at least with salmon, uh, into different kind of interest groups, whether it's commercial fishing, sports fishing, guides, First Nations food fishing. Um, It's always somebody else's problem uh, deer fishermen versus fly fishermen. Like it's a, when all, we all want the same thing. Um, so like, a the, but the level of cooperation isn't there mm-hmm. and is that the detriment to the fishery itself? Um, and so I think, yeah, just a little less selfishness when it comes to the resource. Like it is a shared thing. Like we need to, mm-hmm. we share this planet and, um, so that frustrates me. And then also, uh, just a lack of, I think, um, understanding, like, like sometimes people will, they'll go at it for their own selfish reasons and that, but they never really consider, you know, what makes that plate, what gives them that opportunity. So like, if you go catch a fish, that's a great experience. But you have to understand that that fish is there for a reason, and that that fish could very easily not be there if, um, if you know, X number of things are destroyed. And so, I think there's like a responsibility that fishermen need to um, take on if they're going to be allowed to enjoy the fishery. Like, there's a, there's a responsibility that comes with it. I think.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I think too the the more people that get into it, and I, I I suspect that's what you're doing. I mean, kind of what you're up to these days is not just about fly fishing. It's not just about fishing. It's about the outdoors. It's bigger picture. And I think the more people we get involved in that, obviously, the more conservation. You know, more people putting into the habitat conservation fund just by buying licenses, or more people wanting to save the steelhead resource because they, if you know if we don't do something, it's not going to be there soon.
1: Totally. Totally, yeah. You look at so many rivers that are in such big trouble, but um, you also like you have to have some some hope, and I think that there's so many opportunities for us to make it better than it than it currently is. Whether it's you know a, a, going to you know try to restore a creek that used to have even a hundred salmon returning to it that doesn't have any anymore. Like there's so many through different poor whether it was just the logging practices of the time or um you know overfishing or just development of one form or another that's 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 the scary thing is is it's never one thing you know you have people will glom onto one problem or one solution you know whether it's fish farms or culling the seals or um you know commercial fishing or the nets in the river it's like it's not, not one thing like you could, you could remove all the fish farms in the ocean tomorrow and the fish population as a whole for salmon would still be on a downward trajectory mm-hmm. because there's a ton of other factors out there that are destroying them as well. And it's a collective, it's a collective thing. So you kind of, yeah, you got to look at, as it more as a whole people, we need to look at things more whole, whole as a whole. I like that.
0: I, I think fly fishing is really good for that too, because it makes you step back and, you know, I can't tell you how many people when they tell me a crazy story is like a grizzly bear coming at them and kind of reminding them that they're part of the food chain. We're not above it. You know what I mean? That stuff drives me nuts. It's like we think we are, we're just part of this and we can totally. be part of the problem or start figuring it out.
1: thats You said that perfectly. Absolutely.
0: i I want you to tell me about this quote that I've heard you say <laughs> that I get a kick out of. I believe that a fishing rod is a long pole with a hook on one end and an idiot on the other. <laughs> and I'm happy to be that idiot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just heard that somewhere and thought it was great. And kind of, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a perfect way to describe us. Because uh, our our pursuit, especially when you like get into it as much as, you know, you know at that obsessive level, it's ridiculous to someone who doesn't, appreciate it to the same degree like you try like to someone who has never been fishing you try explaining to them why you do what you do you know like you drive x amount of hours to launch a boat to go x amount of more hours only to hike x amount of hours into a remote spot with wolves and bears that you've never been to before spending hundreds of dollars to catch this maybe catch this fish and then let it go again, like it's, <laughs> a lot of people, they'd be like, why? Why would you ever do that? And uh, yeah. so I feel like that's just the best way to describe it, to, to describe ourselves to a lot of people.
0: I, I can't put that any better, because I, I do get asked that question, like why in the world, If it's not uncommon for us to drive an hour and a half to go fishing for the day, fish all day till close to dark, drive an hour and a half back, let them all go, like what what are we doing but it's (laughs) you're right unless you've done it you can't you you got to do it once and and you get one of those days where it's just lights out or you just even just the experience of friends you know spending time on the water it's it's pretty hard to describe to someone that hasn't done it
1: totally impossible um so yeah, we'll just we'll just uh, suffice to say we're idiots to those people.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I don't want to keep you away from your family. Sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun on the water. I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, good luck, my friend, with whatever's coming up next for you. And 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 keep keep making that great content.
1: Really appreciate it, Mark. It's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you, and I hope actually we can get out on the the water sometime. Next time I'm out your way i'll drop you a line and, and likewise if you're out, out this way it'd be awesome to fish with you
0: i'll take you up on that we've been chatting today with captain quinn avid fisherman fly fisher videographer comedian blogger he's got a very long resume tv series host father outdoorsman steelheader cheers thanks for doing this the fly fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at
2: flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.